Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. And we are good. So welcome in, everybody. It is the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Podcast. And I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. Zach Kelberman. Zach, Melvin Gordon missed, of course, the Chiefs game. Battled back. Had a nice 100-yard rushing game and a couple of tutties on uh, Sunday against the Lions. Only two we found out today. He's banged up again. You had the article for us. Let fans know what's going on with Melvin Gordon's latest injury and whether or not that's going to cost him any time. Well, Vic Fangio didn't address it after yesterday's win. He talked about Kenny Young and Draymond Jones. Kenny Young in concussion protocol. Draymond Jones has a little bit of a foot issue. He didn't mention Melvin, so it, it looked like no big deal. And that's what Ian Rappaport reported earlier today. He said it's a sprained thumb for Melvin Gordon. I don't know what that means necessarily uh, in terms of him gripping the ball just yet, pain management, or how many snaps exactly he's going to play. But he doesn't figure to miss much time, according to Rappaport. Something he played through against the Lions, finished with, I think, a buck 11, two touchdowns. Broncos leading rusher. He looked pretty good. Old Melvin Gordon fighting for a new contract and fighting for the acceptance of Broncos country, uh, Denver-wide. So it looks like he's going to play in a timeshare again with Javante Williams. And, you know, it's just kind of a propos of nothing or not yeah. much. But as long as Pat <clears throat> Shermer employs both those running backs, things are looking good. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tick pick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore because Tick Pick, that's T I C K. P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets. TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Dude, check this out. So if you guys watch the, I always think they're fun to, to check them out. Sometimes there's something newsworthy comes out of it, but I always check out Zach, the post game when it's a win, right? The game ball, um, little, you know, ritual in the, in the locker room and Vic Fangio handed out two, well, he ended up handing out four, maybe five, but two of them in tandem to Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams because we learn in that moment they uh, are the first Denver Broncos running back duo to both score two touchdowns in a single game. And you think about that and you're like, yo, this is one of the most storied franchises when it comes to running back glory, right? There's been so many just, especially from Shanahan uh, up until the current time. To hear that, it's like, wow, that's actually – it was a pretty special accomplishment. Like, may, maybe it makes you think twice about saying, hey, Melvin, hit the bricks after 2021. I mean, you would think twice about it if you d- don't have Javante Williams. But when you have a rookie player and a player with that potential at your disposal, how do you not use him? I really agree with what Maurice uh, Chevalier 
the fourth, is saying here, Javante set the table yesterday, Melvin ate off of it, Melvin could stay hurt, let Javante do the work. I don't agree with letting Melvin stay hurt, they really are a pretty good one-two tandem, but you gotta let Javante take the torch. You talk about keeping him healthy, you talk about the workload, tread on the tires, one-two punch, you can get another running back to fill that role if that's what you want to do is keep Javante healthy. Mike Boone, I think, would volunteer just fine for that. Melvin at $8 million when you have a second-round rookie uh, running back that's looking more explosive, averaged 4.9 yards per carry, more than Melvin Gordon yesterday. you got to let that guy eat. It's Javante's turn no matter what going forward. If Melvin wants to come back at a reduced contract, fine. $8 million, second-round player, looking really, really good. You can't justify that. We got Sam Bam in the house with a big, very generous super chat. Thank you, my friend. He says, hey, guys, sorry, it's been a while. I think the Broncos will finish 10-7 and seven now. If that happens, that would mean they'd have to go 3-1, and one, right, to finish this uh, remaining four games. And they lose in the first round of the playoffs. What do you think happens to the coaching staff in such an event? And, Teddy, who stays, who goes? So, Zach, if the Broncos finish 10-7, and seven, make the playoffs but lose one and done, what happens to this coaching staff and Teddy Bridgewater? I think they both come back. Because knowing George Payton, how measured that he is, how do you not bring back the head coach and the quarterback that finally got the Broncos back to the postseason after over a half decade now? I, you know, you you would have to at least give the incumbency one more shot to see whether this year was one big mirage or whether they can turn the corner and make the Broncos a consistent contender. If they don't make the playoffs, though, I mean, how do you not? How do you justify not getting rid of those and bringing in your own guys? That's what George Payton arguably should have done or gotten the chance to to begin with. Pick his own head coach. Pick his own quarterback. They make the playoffs, I think they both come back. If they don't, I think they're both gone. I think a little bit of it, <clears throat> pardon me, would depend on the complexion of that one and done in the playoffs. But I think overall, I concur with Zach. We've been saying this all season long. Playoffs, and Vic probably buys himself another year. Miss the playoffs, you're done. And Teddy just, look, even if they make the playoffs, Zach, I'm, I wouldn't be convinced that they keep Teddy around just because – He's so pedestrian, you know. He brings great leadership to the table and organizational skills, and he can manage the game, and he's, for the most part, pretty safe with the ball. But everything else is sorely lacking. Uh, Vic Fangio, it's, I mean, it's playoffs or bust. And, by the way, Sam, I really do think it's cool that you're seeing a 3-1 and one finish in these remaining four games, which would actually mean 4-1 and one following the Chiefs' loss. Uh, Lando, don't call me, Calrissian Lee. Appreciate those stars, my friend. And on that note, you know what? Let's do an update because I don't think we got a chance to do this on the gut reaction. Then we'll grab Michaela here. Um, here's where we stand, guys, on the Facebook goal. Our goal, once again, in the month of December is to get to 250,000 stars. When we reach it, we are going to raffle off a Broncos jersey of the winner's choice. And the only people in the running for that raffle are those who contributed to the goal. And we're currently at 33% coming up on the 50% mark in the month. So we're a little bit behind the eight ball. Nothing catastrophic, but we are a little bit behind. And here's who are the top-ranked people related to that raffle. Shane, the aviator, Zach, number one, holding it down, followed by, closely that is, Lawrence Rivera, Travis Weber, Andrew Baker, Stone Carranza, a relative newcomer. It's been great having Stone in the in the chat. Uh, Miguel Santistevan, maybe. Doug Raquel, Michael Ronquillo. Andrew Lampy and Yvonne, and here's just a few of the names outside the top 10. But as long as someone's got 500 stars toward the gold, they got at least one ticket in the hat. So shout out to each and every one of you. And, Zach, we do have a Demarius Thomas jersey. Yes, we do. Raffle winner to announce. But first, let's grab Michaela, who we love, who we respect, who we so value in our community. Thank you for that super chat. She says, I think Pookie and Gordon make a good team. That they do, Zach. And – you know, if you could get that level of production out of both of them, you're you're onto something special. In fact, who was it today? Let me see. Uh, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. The Denver Broncos. When um, oh, who, who was it? Hold on, one second, one second. Pulling it up, pulling it up. It's from Jesse. Shout out to Jesse to sending this to me. Now I haven't verified this myself, but according to Jeff Legwald, the Broncos Zach are six and one this season when they have at least 28 rushing attempts, and they're 1-5 when they don't. Go figure. 1-5 when they have to lean on the quarterback that can't will the Broncos to a victory with his arm. 
I, I agree the Bron- Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams make a good team, but Michaela, Chad, everyone out there, I ask you, didn't Javante and Mike Boone look pretty good a couple weeks ago together? They were just as explosive, just as dynamic, and they were a fraction of the cost of one Melvin Gordon. Again, I don't hate the player. I hate the contract. I also hate the fumbling issues. I hate the injuries. You don't have to worry about those things, at least for right now, for what we know with Javante Williams. It's all about getting younger. It's all about getting cheaper. Once again, you used a second-round pick on a running back. You traded up to get him. That running back in his rookie season is looking really, really good. Why would you bury that player? Let him shine. Let him eat. Let him grow. He's a very humble cat, too. Like, when he got handed the the game ball for Vic last night, you know, they wanted him to speak, and so he did. But if he wasn't being kind of, like, pushed and expected to say something, he probably wouldn't have. He would have just, you know, something about the O-line, go sit back down or whatever. And, of course, when he did speak, very um, almost reserved credit to the O-line sit down. Uh, Andrew Baker, good to see you, bro. Thank you for the stars and all your support. He says, uh, don't feel as bad for our KC loss looking at the Raiders loss. Holy cow. I still hope for the playoffs. Not liking Vic and company, but man, it's not their fault. Dropping, uh, dropping passes, fumbles, interceptions, bad play has stopped us from being contenders as well. Hashtag MHH for life. You know, here's the thing, Zach. If the Broncos make the playoffs, and that then means Vic Fangio stays around for another year, so be it. It is what it is. Just breaking that curse, breaking that slump of missing the playoffs, to me, even if they miss it in 2022, it would be worth it just to say, okay, that dry spell is in the rear view. Every time you say playoffs associated with the Broncos, I hear it in my head. Playoffs? Jim Mora every time. I know it's played out, but whatever. Um, you know, it would be good to break the schneid, but if it would ensure, let's say, Fangio and Teddy Bridgewater, Pat Shermer, the whole bunch come back in 2022, if you think this is an outlier, it's really not good for the Broncos' future if that happens. Not advocating for them not to make the playoffs, but you have to accept the risk and the consequences of doing so, even if they back in and get blown out in the first round. Is that worth it, rather than replacing the coaching staff, replacing the quarterback, and getting new change in the building? Yeah, so I'm reading this real quick, and then we'll... Uh... Addison, hey, thank you very much for that super chat. That's a newer name. Uh, it says, thoughts on Teddy wanting a $25 million <laughs> uh, multi-year <laughs> deal. That's my thoughts. For what it's worth, Zach, that's PFF throwing out there what they think his value is going to be. We don't necessarily know what he's going to – he could be asking for more, but, um, you know, that's that's something on – that's the brief, that's the purview of Teddy's agent. Right now, Teddy's got to focus on the uh, task at hand. Well, I mean, it's negotiating 101, start high and then work your way a little toward the medium. The medium, though, I think is half of that or close to half of that. $15 million, I think that's backup uh, quarterback territory money, and that's what uh, Teddy Bridgewater is, a backup quarterback. $25 million is a joke. $20 million is a joke. I wouldn't go above 15 maybe even not 10 He's To hand the ball off and throw checkdowns, a lot of quarterbacks can do that for a lot less money. Okay, so I misquoted Vic. Maybe Vic misquoted the statistical mark. I don't know. But here's what it said, Zach. The Broncos, Melvin Gordon, and Javante Williams as a running back duo combined for 194 scrimmage yards and four tutties. Gordon and Williams, who each had two touchdowns, became just the third running back duo in Broncos history and the first in nearly 60 years. In fact, now that I hear it, that's what Vic said, the first in nearly 60 years. To have multiple touchdowns in the same game, very cool. The last time it happened, Zach, was uh, way back in the 60s. I mean, we're talking Gene Mingo, Al Frazier. Uh, that's the last time it happened in 1962. So that's pretty cool. And then Javante Williams, don't look now. He's already eclipsed 1,000 yards from scrimmage now. He's at 1,022 on the season, making him, Zach, the ninth Broncos rookie to reach 1,000 yards from scrimmage and the first to do it since Philip Lindsay in 2018. And why would you want to bury that? Why wouldn't you want to let that grow and let him have the backfield to himself or mostly himself? That's what you have to do if you're the Broncos' foresight, long-term vision. And Javante is certainly, I think, even outplayed his draft pedigree so far. I don't hate uh, teaming him up with somebody else. You also have to commit to him if you're the coordinator. But a lot of running backs can be the number two behind Javante Williams. You don't have to pay $1 million. That's all I'm saying. Travis Weber in the house good to connect with you on facebook today by the way my friend he says it would be awesome if both williams and gordon get a thousand yards rushing 
I see what you're saying, Zach, but for the life of me, Fangio or whoever is upstairs has got to learn better making challenge calls. What was his name we we, we deduced? Uh, Matt Sheldon, I think. Thank you, Matt Sheldon. Uh, Fangio kind of threw him under the bus a little bit because it's funny, and I don't mean that he – I guess in a way he kind of blamed him for the for that decision in Kansas City, the, the one to uh, challenge the Travis Kelsey, if I'm not mistaken. But he's been very reticent, Zach, since – um, Mitch Tanny was dismissed to mention any names uh, of anyone who advises him up in the booth on replay challenges, all that stuff. So for him to finally at the 11th hour of the season, decide to throw that name out there to me, even if it's a Freudian thing, meaning he's not necessarily realizing he's throwing someone under the bus. He kind of threw him under the bus. Vic Fangio not taking accountability, Chad. Wow. Shocker there. Uh, it's ironic, though, the Kansas City challenge is one that he actually should have won, whereas yep. every other one he loses. He, he got kind of boned on that call, but he's one for seven on the season. Like I said on yesterday's podcast, you can flip a coin and have better odds than one in seven. He has no intuition for it, and just relying on someone ex- upstairs, it doesn't matter when you're on the field in a bang-bang situation when the emotions are running hot with a play just happening. You have to have the feel for it. He also admittedly doesn't watch the offense. When those are your qualities as a head coach, you're never going to get it one way or the other. Yes, indeed. All right, one more, and then some matters of business. <clears throat> Got to say, uh, what's up to Travis Tarbox jumping in? He says, uh, evening priest in Broncos country, busy as always, but sending some love. And Travis, very sweet of you, my friend. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know we appreciate That's you. That's funny. It all adds up. Um, what's that? Uh, I just saw some uh, Tom McMahon roasting. Oh, yes, indeed. I- a ripe topic at all times. Guys, much more to get to. In fact, uh, what does Colin say here? Because I'm off screen. Matt Sheldon's probably McMahon's son-in-law or something, considering <laughs> how incompetent he is. By the way, as you can see here, looks like the Denver Broncos in the Bengals game. Slight favorites. Money line. Uh, minus 25 on the Broncos, plus 105 on the Bengals. Over-under set at 43.5 points. What are you taking on that, Zach? Over or under on the Broncos and Bengals game totaling 43 and a half points combined? I'm taking the under on that. I, I don't really trust that Joe Burrow's there yet, and I think the Broncos can do something to shut down their passing attack. Joe Mixon's going to be a, more of a problem, I think, than the passing game from Cincinnati. How the Broncos' offense plays, we never know. I don't think they're going to come out with 38 points like we saw against Detroit. They're going to fall back to the norm, which is what? Not even north of 20 points on offense. So I'm taking the under on that. What about you? I'm taking the under as well. I think the more I think yesterday was kind of an anomaly. It's the most points scored under Vic Fangio in a single game, by the way. And I think it was an anomaly. And as as the games become more important down the stretch, the points are going to become more scarce. You know, it's the name of the game is running the ball and physical football. And so I think you'll see the Broncos and this Bengals game probably total somewhere in the high 30s. Mike Reno. What's up, buddy? Thank you. He says, I still think we need to beat the Chiefs to keep this coaching staff. If we lose to a resting Chiefs team, the house will be cleaned, in my opinion. You know, it's possible, guys, that the Chiefs come the season finale could be resting starters. But I think there's also a decent chance, Zach, it's going to be a meaningful game for them. But what's your what's your um, take on the notion that to hell with playoffs, did you beat the Chiefs this year, Vic? If not, hit the bricks. I mean, no, that's I don't I don't really care for moral victories when it comes to who should be coaching and quarterbacking the Broncos, the Broncos future. If they beat the Chiefs and don't miss don't make the playoffs, I'm not going to celebrate that. That's not going to keep Vic Fangio around for me. I would clean house and let you know the other side to that of keeping Fangio like we talked about is not letting George Payton pick his own head coach and by association his own coordinator and quarterback. That's Pretty important for a general manager getting his start in an organization. He's had a really good rookie year, George Payton, picking the groceries. Why not let those groceries come in head coach and quarterback, respectively? So if you just beat the Kansas City Chiefs and you think you're relying on that to keep your job, to me, no way. you got to make the playoffs. And even then, let's say you you beat a resting Kansas City team and you back into the playoffs and you get blown out the first round. That would justify, I think, a Vic Fangio exit. But if you win convincingly, let's say you upset Kansas City, preferably against Mahomes so you have no excuses, get into the playoffs, make some noise, then I would keep Fangio around. It's all about context as it'll play out. Cody Dove jumping in. Thanks, buddy. He says, we didn't sign uh, Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton for nothing. Teddy is gone. 
you know, you could really invert that argument, though, to bolster why the Broncos might want to keep Teddy. But I tend to agree with you on that, my friend. I think, uh, you know, they're they're getting him locked up. They were both free agents at the end of the year. They got them locked up. And it'd be another thing altogether, Zach, if this was a team really strapped against the cap going into 2022. But they're not. They can afford to go out there and kind of be aggressive, throw some cap dollars around and, and you know, brandish Zach some uh, – draft picks and whatnot and see if you can't get a Russell Wilson, see if you can't get an Aaron Rodgers here. I can promise you if uh, faced with the option of Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers versus Teddy Bridgewater, George Payton's taken option 1A or 1B if it's there. I mean, if it's really within his grasp. I think option three, failing Wilson and Aaron Rodgers should not be Teddy Bridgewater, but a rookie quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater should be the last break glass in case of emergency option, Chad. I mean, he's all he does is hand off and check it down. A lot of quarterbacks can do that. You have to have a long-term quarterback in the building or an established star quarterback like a Rodgers or a Wilson. $48 million in projected salary cap space, 11 draft picks right now, including four in the top 100. Let George cook. That's all I'm saying. Let him do his thing, please. Miguel says, what's up, fellas? I know it's going to be tough, but I think Denver can go 3-1. and one. I think they can, too. It's a matter of will they. Zach, real quick, this is kind of cool. Trip down memory lane. So as we mentioned, Javante Williams, now one of nine Bronco rookies all time to get to 1,000 yards from scrimmage. Eddie Royal is on this list. Now, if you guys can remember, you think to yourself, wait a minute now, he's a wide receiver. He owns the Broncos' rookie receiving records. When he came out in, uh, what was it? 08. He owns all those records and he probably will for a long time. It's not often, Zach, that wide receivers as rookies produce and go over a thousand. It happens, but it usually is year two, year three, where wideouts really pop and become consistent and prolific. But look at this Clinton Portis as a rookie, man, over 1,500 yards rushing. When you add up all his receiving yards, this cat brought to the table 18, almost 1,900 yards from scrimmage. And that was only, Zach, two years removed from Mike Anderson bringing almost 1700 crazy i mean just the history of the broncos running backs and to think they have another one already climbing that list number nine nice to see philip Lindsay on there at number six and the guy who replaced philip Lindsay gets no touches in mike boone that's kind of funny how that works but when you have a player already cracking the top 10 and he's not even the starter let's let's figure that melvin gordon is siphoning more than half of his carries so he's doing that on a reduced halved workload Imagine a full-time player. Imagine that, what he can do. That's what the Broncos should let him do as the RB1. That's a great point because in the case of both Portis Anderson, Davis, Gary, Bobby Humphrey, I'm old enough to remember Bobby Humphrey's phenomenal rookie season of 89. Broncos went to the Super Bowl that year, got trounced by, of course, the Niners. But um, all these guys were were the bell cow. Philip Lindsay became kind of the bell cow, and by that I simply mean he became the man from about week eight on. Um, but the first half of the season, Zach, another situation of I shudder to think what his numbers would have looked like if it hadn't been handed to Royce Freeman to open that 2018 season. And then no Sean, man, don't forget about no Sean 2009 first round pick just shy of a thousand rushing as a rookie. But when you throw in his receiving yards from uh, old Kyle Orton there, he makes the list at number seven. So I don't know. I just. Sometimes I think it's fun to go over numbers like this on a historical perspective. Well, let's give Eddie Royal some love. It was running back, running back, running back, running back, Eddie Royal. Running back, so great player. Hey, Vincent, thank you, my friend. He says, we may finally, pardon me, may we finally say goodbye to Bradley Chubb and his oft-injured body. It becomes cliche as to whether he will, in fact, be injured, re-injured, or re-re-injured. I feel you, my friend. Uh, Chubb, he's he's quickly, Zach, um, and not necessarily through any fault of his own because players, you know, you can't really control injuries, but, you know, all you can do is is the best you can to mitigate and minimize risk of getting hurt. But in most cases, Zach, injury or injuries, I should say, are completely uh, by chance. But let me tell you something. This is from an That's Chad, right? Yeah, that's not me. Okay. I just want to say until Chad gets back here, I never really know, Scott, if it's me or Chad because it's happened so many times. 
I just want to say about Bradley Chubb, all he's ever known is Lauren Landau. So maybe if we replace Lauren Landau or at least put Bradley Chubb with another strength and conditioning coach, maybe his body would stay healthy. Let's give him one shot to prove that. Uh, but I do think, Vincent, that you make a good point with the re-re-injured. That's never a good tag to associate with a former first-round top-five pick. But one more year, you picked up the fifth-year option. Uh, you know, you've already committed to him for one more year. Give him the shot. See what, see what happens with a full season. If he gets injured again next year, you can cut bait. You can walk away. Hopefully, you have his full-time replacement in mind. Hopefully, Jonathan Cooper keeps producing. They might bring back Malik, uh, Malik Reed, who is a RFA, if I'm not mistaken. He might be a UFA, but either way, they can bring him back. Baron Browning can play some OLB. I think Steven Weatherly deserves a new deal, so uh, they, they have some moves they, they can make. Colby, I want to give you a shout-out while Chad works out whatever obvious apparent technical issues are plaguing him right now. Appreciate the love on Facebook. Thank you. Uh, Michael Ronquillo, appreciate you, Michael. As always, Von Miller, Matt Prater, and DeAndre Hopkins are honoring DT with the number 88 decals on their Cardinals and Rams helmets. I saw Vaughn on Instagram, what he posted. I thought that was really touching, really cool. Obviously, Matt Prater played with him. DeAndre Hopkins, fellow receiver. It's really heartwarming, Chad. I hope I'm talking to you and not the Frozen edition of you. Uh, to see what... Screen. Yeah, to see what uh, the players and the coaches in the NFL uh, has done to honor DT after his untimely passing. It's really been heartwarming. I had too many tabs open on my browser and it crashed so apologies gang um real quick though let me let me just get back to the point all right what i was trying to say we we're talking about bradley chubb because i think fans will find this interesting hopefully you have read the article that eric trickle published on this very topic about two hours ago but uh check this out so pro football focus their pass rush win rate all right this is a very um key metric when it comes to understanding individual players are sacks, pressures, how often are they winning? Uh, right now, Stephen Weatherly has the highest pass rush win rate for your Denver Broncos at 12.2%, which is not a good number. Among edge defenders with at least 70 pass rush snaps, which include Chubb, that's that 12.2% um, mark for Weatherly is tied 78th out of 134 qualifying players. Chubb is at 8.2, all right? And so that ranks him 100. 13th amongst NFL peers in terms of pass rush win rate. And I mean, dude, here we are now heading down the stretch. Von Miller is still second on the team in total quarterback pressures. Well, I think uh, Draymond Jones is going to catch up if he keeps playing like he has the last couple weeks, especially yesterday against Detroit. Uh, they need more interior pressure like that, not only to compensate for the absence, continued absence of Shelby Harris, but to help out the outside linebackers. It's funny that you bring up Weatherly while you were gone. I said they have some options if they want to replace Chubb or at least fortify that spot for next year. Weatherly is a player they, sh they should continue bringing back on a short-term contract. He's played lights out this season, and you're not paying him to be a starter just as a dependable backup pinch kind of player. You could do worse, I think, than him. Michaela, thank you. She says, I would pay Teddy a pair of expired cans, LOL. I mean, he's guys, he's got some value. It's just he's not your franchise guy. You know, and you got to get that figured out. But the problem that the biggest thing I worry about, Zach, and here's how we'll know if there really is a true new vision in the front office is I could see if this was the John Elway Broncos. All right. Like if John was still pulling the strings and the Broncos make the playoffs with Teddy by the skin of their teeth. Right. And then get bounced in their first game to John Elway. That would be a confirmation. That would be a sign that, hey, we we indeed, we are one middle-of-the-road quarterback away from winning it all again, and we've got our guy. We just now need a little bit of luck in the injury department. Let's go ahead and pay Teddy to bring him back. That would be the old thinking, the old way of kind of doing business at Dove Valley. It'll be interesting to see if the Broncos do make the playoffs, depending on how they do in the playoffs, right? That's the qualifier here, how George Payton approaches that very question. Well, what if they make the playoffs and Teddy Bridgewater is bombing every game? They they make the playoffs in spite of him, not because of him. The Broncos have never won a game to date because of Teddy Bridgewater. They might not have lost a game, maybe except for Philadelphia because Teddy, but they haven't won a game solely because of him. And you're 
you know, to anyone out there, a proponent of this, you want to pay that guy $20 million, $25 million? Is he crazy for thinking that? Partly. He's also knowing it's a leverage play. He's putting the higher number out there and probably willing to settle down at a normal number for his caliber. He's a backup quarterback. I wouldn't even call him a pinch starter because he doesn't work out, Chad. If you take away the easy opponents the Broncos have had this year, every time he's faced a critical opponent of a better quality, the Broncos have lost badly in most cases. They've lucked into a few wins. They've beaten bad teams, not all of which is due to Teddy Bridgewater. The defense, the running game, every other factor, it has been because not of Teddy. Teddy, as a Bronco, has beaten two plus 500 teams. Cowboys, Chargers. That's it. Yvonne, good to see you, buddy. He says, hey, guys, watching the show at bed, feeling terrible. Oh, no, you under the weather? Feel better, big dog. He says, what will be a good contract to keep Gordon? So, Zach, <clears throat> what would you be willing to pay Melvin Gordon to keep him around? What I'm willing to pay him is what he's not going to accept and what not uh, another team is willing to pay him. If he makes a 1,000-yard season, how do you not – go out there and, and want, I don't know the highest paid running back in the NFL. Is it McCaffrey? I, I think can pull it up. I think it is. I, I, it's either McCaffrey or Zeke on, a, on an annual basis, on a total value basis. I'm not paying Melvin Gordon in that range. You know, I would pay him if I'm a needy team that can use an RB1 slash two, I would pay Melvin Gordon 10 million bucks a year. I don't think the Broncos should pay Melvin Gordon 10 million bucks a year. That's the difference. I would offer him four and a half or five to come back as Williams backup. But you really think Gordon coming off that kind of year is going to come back for that money to be a backup? I don't think so. I would tell you, <clears throat> pardon me, the number for me would be around four million bucks, no more, maybe less if you can get him. But look at this. Christian McCaffrey is technically the highest paid back in the league, followed by Alvin Kamara, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, uh, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, and then there's Melvin. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth highest paid running back currently. And he's all those running backs to, to me, agency. all those running backs to me are better than Melvin Gordon. They're more explosive than Melvin Gordon, maybe except right now for Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, Gordon, I think, is in that good but not great range. Would you pay him $15 million? Would you guarantee him $36 million? That's crazy. Javante is doing what Melvin Gordon can do for a fraction of that cost. Panthers have had some bad luck <clears throat> with uh, McCaffrey since they did decide to pay him, man. It's been, a, it's been a bummer. But let's just look here. Let's look at the $4 million range real quick. So that, that takes you to Gus Edwards with the Ravens making $4 million on a three-year deal, looks like. And from there, you got Jalen Richard, Najee Harris on a rookie deal, Philip Lindsay, but they cut him. I don't know how much of that he actually gets to keep. Uh, Leonard Fournette. Well, actually, he was waived and claimed, right? So, no, that contract doesn't transfer if you're waived. Anyway, uh, Leonard Fournette. Travis. So this is kind of the ballpark, Zach, I think, of where uh, Melvin Gordon value-wise, in my opinion, falls. But I could see some team out there, and hopefully it's not the Broncos, paying them somewhere around this this range, eight between five to eight million. Well, I mean, if if we agree that they got tremendous value, which they did with Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton, I don't think George Payton is going to be one to overpay Melvin. He'll probably offer him something reasonable, but like you said, like I said, some team out there is going to give Melvin Gordon a contract he can't refuse, and the Broncos shouldn't counter. For what it's worth, Scott says, Mike Boone is on a $2 million deal. I'd give that money to Gordon and $2 million from his eight to make $4 million and save $4 million on the last contract. So for what it's worth. Uh, Miguel says, I don't mind Fangio. I just don't like Pat and Tom. I don't know, man. Fangio, there's things I like about him. In fact, there's a few things I love about Big Fangio. It's mainly, you know, his, his uh, defensive acumen as a tactician. There's a lot that I just find mystifying, frustrating, um, it's one of those things, Zach, where not only is he a multi-decade tenured head coach, but you're in your third season and you're still seeing a lot of just face palm kind of rookie moves from Vic and lack of presence of mind, lack of feeling like he's got his team prepared. And these are things you expect to see from first time head coaches and young in over their head type coaches base guys jumping in. Good to see you, buddy. He says with Vegas likely blowing it up this season, should Peyton go after Derek Carr? Assuming Rodgers and Russell Wilson 
doesn't happen, or should we retain Teddy and draft a first rounder? What if Derek Carr was available? I would go after him in a big bad way, especially if the A Rod thing and the Russell Wilson thing end up being, you know, fool's gold and they end up staying with their respective teams and cars available. First of all, they're never going to trade him to the Denver Broncos. Second, though, if he did hit the market, if they just cut him, and we can look at what the cap ramifications, thus the likelihood of that happening, would be, I'd be all over it. I think Derek Carr could benefit greatly from a change in scenery. Well, just to the last uh, question or super that we got about Fangio, how do you like, you know, how do you hate the mob boss but like his cronies? Why would you hate, you know, you know, I don't understand liking one but not liking the others that Fangio brought in and Tom McMahon and Pat Shermer. I think Derek Carr, though, is a really underrated quarterback, maybe the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. Uh, like you said it, Chad, they're never going to trade to the Broncos, uh, Carr, a division rival, an asset like that. But if he hits the open market, I wouldn't mind making an offer. He's a really good quarterback and making do uh, with crazy circumstances. No head coach, lost his number one wide receiver, still putting up really good numbers if you look at the numbers and break them down. Check this out, courtesy of Scott Kennedy. All right. Derek Carr has one year left on his deal at 19.7 million dead cap. In case you can't make that out, that's zero boys and girls. So the Raiders could very well, Zach, cut him. They'll try to trade him first, but NFL teams are going to know, look, dude, you're going to cut him. If so, there's going to be some teams who will want him that will back off because they know the Raiders are more likely to have be forced to cut him. And if that's the case, man, he hits the market. I'd be all about Derek Carr. Now, I'm not going to lie to you guys and pretend like he'd be, you know, the, the second coming of something really special like Peyton, obviously. But I could see him bringing a Jake Plummer-esque type lift to this team. Where And he's kind of the same caliber guy Jake was when Jake became a free agent back in 2003. And that is a guy that had, you know, some modest success uh, with his original team kind of needed that change of scenery, kind of needed to be teamed up with the right culture and head coach, offensive mind. He got that, and he took that team that had been struggling to the next level. Now, it wasn't enough to take him over the hump level and win it all, but Jake Plummer took him to the next level. I could see Derek Carr having a similar type of impact on a team like the Broncos. They'd be crazy to cut Derek Carr. They'd be a lot smarter to pay him than cut him. Uh, the more likely quarterback knowing the Broncos is going after Marcus Mariota, his backup right now. And to Marcus's credit, he's looked pretty good since his time in Vegas, but that's a whole other story. Uh, I'd be all over Derek Carr as well. I mean, I think the Broncos can definitely win some playoff games, plural, uh, with him. Wasn't he the same draft class as Teddy, 2014? I want to say. Uh, I thought he was with Jameis. Was he the year before? Was he 13? Now it's going to bug me. Let me just look. Derek Carr, Wiki. Hold up. Could have sworn they went one and two, or is Mariota number one? So he was class of 14, second round pick. So he came only a few picks after Teddy in that in that draft for what it's worth because the Vikings took Teddy with the – was it the last pick in the first round, I think? Pretty sure. Pick 32. Now you got my memory all messed up. I'm trying to <laughs> Travis. back. Real quick, he says, Fangio, if it does stick around, if he does stick around, needs to be an actual head coach, focus on all sides of the ball and not just the defense, and quit using I wasn't paying attention as his excuse. Boom. Well said, buddy. I don't think it's an excuse. I think he actually wasn't paying attention. He likes uh, defense that much, hates offense that much, apparently, and look at his hiring of Pat Shermer. I think that answers that question pretty well. Bro, Derek Carr's career passing rate passer rating is 92.6 his career completion percentage is 64.8 he's got uh his td to int ratio currently 188 to 81 i'd take that dude all day long and thrice on sunday if it was within my grasp kayaka what's up big dog good to see you he says i prefer not to lose wide receivers coach zach azani but thoughts on him throwing his hat in for OC or head coach. Zach, Zach Azani is a very young NFL coach, and by that I mean both age and relative experience. He got his start, I want to say, if I'm remembering his biography, when the Broncos first hired him in Chicago as a, as a wide receivers coach, as a position coach. He might have been actually a quality control guy, 
but this was the Denver job is really his first kind of, Hey, look at my track record. I've got a little bit of a body of work, did some great things with obviously um, with the development of Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick. That's a big bona fide on his resume. Uh, we'll see what happens with Jerry Judy. We'll see what happens with KJ Hamler, but he does have some skins on the wall. I just don't know Zach, if he has any inkling or capability wherewithal to be an actual offensive coordinator. Do you have a playbook? What is your offensive philosophy? He's never called plays at a high level. That I know for sure. So I don't think, Zach, that Azani is a guy in serious consideration for an OC job, but I could dig around on that. And I think head coach is a is a definite no. Like you just laid out, a guy who's never called plays at this level is not going to jump to head coach, even if you're Sean McVay 2.0. I would maybe be willing to gamble on him as an OC considering what he's done for the Broncos wide receivers. I don't think he should get that spot with the Broncos, though. You know, I, There's a handful of coaches they should keep around if or when they fire Vic Fangio. I mean, you talk about maybe Curtis Modkin, Zach Azani, uh, Bill Kalar, Reggie Herring, maybe Christian Parker. You know what? I, I take some of Mike what Munchak. I said back. In Division I SEC footy ball, at Tennessee, he was the passing game coordinator slash wide receivers coach right before he broke into the league as the Bears receiving coach in 2017. Then the Broncos hired him for the same job 2018 to present. So that implies that he does have some experience anyway, calling plays at a high level, but it's not the league. Yeah, I mean, he's he's way too green. I think he needs a few more years. And hopefully around the NFL, he's gaining a reputation for what he's doing. Corlin Sutton and Tim Patrick both got paid under his watch. Big money. I think that's worth noting. Hey, Doug. Thank you very much, my friend. Appreciate you. And also got a shout out. Uh, Ten star. I mean, what was it? A thousand stars? That's. I mean, that's that's big love, Doug. Thank you, buddy. On that note, um, Ben Dover jumping in. I always get a little bit of a chuckle, the 14-year-old in me, when I have to read this man's YouTube handle. Unpopular opinion, says Ben. But I hope we retain... Melvin Gordon on a cheap deal, but with Pookie as RB1. They make a mean duo like Chubb and Hunt do for Cleveland. They do, but here's the thing. Hunt came in on kind of the coattails of a young Chubb. By the time Hunt landed there, Chubb had kind of taken the, the stage as the man. How do you, from a posture perspective, if you're Pookie, I mean, just watch that game ball uh scenario from yesterday guys you'll see that melvin he addresses the room like he's the big veteran he's going to give everybody like some you know food for thought type thing pook is just like cool hey thanks shout out to the o-line go sit down you don't see him grow into becoming that veteran presence in the shadow of a guy like melvin you, you melvin has to be gone i think for that to happen but guys let me tell you something I think Mike Boone could bring that to the table for you. He might not be on Melvin Gordon's level, all right, but he is a very intriguing young guy, and he still, Zach, is relatively uh, – un- still lots of tread, let me put it that way, left on his NFL tires for old Mike Boone. But once again, I, I kind of posit, as you have, why would Gordon accept a cheap deal barring an injury? He's done enough right now to warrant a multi-year commitment in free agency from some team not named the Broncos. I don't think they're going to be around – or he's going to be around to settle on that unless, you know, he's falling in love with living in Denver and wants to appeal to the fan base. I see him kind of following the money and going to play for a contender. Uh, Ben Dover there mentioned Cleveland. I'm thinking Baltimore, though. They have J.K. Dobbins, but maybe signing Melvin Gordon to pair with him, who's returning from injury, that might be a a solid combination. And they're going to offer him a lot more than a cheap deal of 4 or $5 million. There's going to be a market out there for Melvin Gordon, a market that I think the Broncos should not explore that seriously. Manny Wise, been with our community a long time, says Fangio, win or lose, he needs to be gone. I feel you, all right? I understand why fans feel that way. Guys, we got to announce who the winner of last night we told you in honor of Demarius Thomas that the people who were chipping in on Super Chat and Stars, that we were going to raffle off a name from that group and uh, give away a Demarius Thomas jersey to the lucky winner. And we're here to tell you that winner has been selected randomly on a raffle, and it's Diamond Rattler. So I don't know if Diamond Rattler has been in the chat tonight. Um, Hopefully uh, the person who made this really, really cool 
medallion. All right. I rock this at the meet and greet, right? For, well, I don't know, half the day. It's dope. But Diamond Rattler, winner, winner, chicken dinner. You get a Demarius Thomas jersey. So email us, milehighhuddle at gmail. Get us your deets. You won, yes, big sir. dog. You won. So send us the, uh, we need your uh, address and t-shirt size or jersey size, I should say. And then also what color, right? What color you want. So yeah, you win, Diamond Rattler. Shout out. Appreciate you. And what a special prize. A very well-deserved diamond. We appreciate all your contributions and interaction we've had with you over the months and years. Uh, but what a great prize that is getting DT's jersey, considering how coveted that is right now. And, and it's always been, but especially now. Uh, congratulations, Diamond. Uh, we appreciate you once again. I assume we got 727 mil talking about um, hope we don't bring Teddy back. Did we get that one yet? Okay. I don't, Colby, I don't thank you for the stars, my friend. Much love to you. And also, you you helped out on the uh, Duke Boynton GoFundMe. Appreciate that a lot. So did Mill, 727 Mill. Shout out to each and every one of you who has helped out on that. Those girls uh, are in need of our help. Uh, 727 Mill says, hope we don't bring Teddy back. Also, LLDT. Long live DT is what I assume. Hey, my syntax, I you know I'm starting to get the hang of this. It's thing. because you're on the right side tonight. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Mike says, uh, yeah, Chubb is not a keeper, sorry to say. Injuries have crashed his NFL career. He may get one more shot, but if that fails, he's out the league. Um, I don't know, man. I've, I'm on the fence with Chubb. I still think the talent is there for him to be a, a true bona fide force to be reckoned with, but you just can't make your way in the league and, and make your mark by constantly being hurt. You know, Even last year, Zach, he comes back from the torn ACL. God bless him, right? He battles back. You could tell the first quarter of that season he wasn't quite himself. Is <clears throat> you know still kind of getting to trust that knee. Vaughn's injured on injured reserve, and uh, it took him a three, four, five games to kind of turn a corner. But once he did, he went on a pretty good romp, earns a Pro Bowl nod, and then bows out of the season with two games left to go. Once again, with an injury, and then of course this year need we say more? He's got to find a way to stay healthy. And here's to hoping Zach that his last year, the last year on his contract currently, which is next year's fifth year option. That's what it happens for him because the one full season you've gotten from Bradley Chubb, he provided you historic results. And what I said was when, also when you, uh, when your browser crashed that I'd like to see him get one year, not under Lauren Landau as the strength and conditioning coach, just another, maybe set of eyes, another set of hands, so to speak on Bradley show, but do him some good, but I'm going to give you, I can see two scenarios playing out with Bradley going forward. I'm going to give you two NFL comps. I can see him becoming someone like a Robert Quinn later in his career. Uh, presuming he can overcome the injuries and realize his potential. If you followed Quinn's career, you know, he's still effective and he's uh, quite up there in age. Also, I can give you Shane Ray, a guy who just never blossomed, never was, never realized that potential, never scraped his ceiling, and kind of just withered out of the NFL. And it's, it would be unfortunate with Bradley. It wouldn't be the first time, though, it happened, and not to the Broncos. Let me tell you who Bradley Chubb is starting to remind me of. All right, Bronco fans who are my age or older are going to know exactly what I'm talking about here. This guy right here, Mike Kroll. Broncos drafted him number four overall. Zach in 1991, he went on to win the defensive rookie of the year that as uh, in 91 by providing 10 sacks. All right. So he got to double digit sacks as a rookie and then basically became, you know, a relative non-factor. He produced 16 starts uh, the next two seasons. All right. So it's not like he really suffered too much from the injury bug. But from there, he started getting banged up. The Broncos moved on after his rookie contract expired, did not try to keep him around because in 94, he started, Zach, 12 games, zero sacks. And so that's what he's starting to kind of angle toward, Bradley Chubb. This was back before they had fifth-year options. They probably wouldn't have picked up Mike Kroll's fifth-year option for what it's worth, but I hope he diverges. I hope he turns the corner because – Man, that was uh, disappointing the way things shook out for Mike Kroll, former big-time Nebraska star. Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, another Broncos player to dislike, so, you know, I can get on on that train. George says, if we bring back Teddy, we should not pay him anything over $8 million. You know, here's the thing. 
Teddy Bridgewater, if nothing else, Zach has proven once again this year that he is a very valuable uh, commodity, and that is he's a guy who can step in and be a stopgap. He can keep the ship relatively afloat if your guy goes down. And there's always going to be a market for those guys. All right. And Teddy, you know, obviously he had the the grievous knee injury in, in the uh, spring of 16. All right. But because of that, he's still got relatively low tread on his tires as a quarterback. I mean, I could see him going on a plan for, for seven, eight, nine years from now. Even as, as a backup, there's always going to be teams, Zach, that are going to be willing to pay him $8 million or more to be that guy that they, in a pinch, can turn to. I think this is the last team that's ever going to view him with a straight face as our starting quarterback and, you know, next question type thing. This is it for Teddy on that front, but he's still going to be able to make a ton of money moving forward. I was going to interrupt you to say, Chad, say the condition to what you're saying right now. That would be as a backup. And again, I can see him going on to having a good backup career. And like Chad said perfectly, playing another three, five, seven, however many years as a number two. He can fulfill that role perfectly. But as a starting quarterback, he does not cut it in the NFL. And for $20, 25000000 million, you have to be out of your mind crazy I mean, Chad Kelly running into a Halloween party and getting chased out <laughs> by a vacuum cleaner. Crazy to pay him that. Albert Knoppers, appreciate you, buddy. He says, the defensive coach of the Lions showed more emotion during one play than Fangio in the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the reasons, I think, Zach, that this team continues to be Jekyll and Hyde. They they produce at a high level, the stars align, they win big, and then they crash back down because their head coach lacks the kind of energy of on an intensity as an individual. And that, unfortunately, that transfers to your players, to your staff through osmosis. I mean, the leader sets the pace, man. And I think that's one of the reasons why you've seen this team do this all year long. Vic Fangio is that common denominator in his just low energy type guy. The most I, you ever see Vic fired up, Zach, we can talk about the Dallas game. And that's probably the most we've ever really seen him be fired up in a game. But his locker room speeches, why couldn't we see that level of kind of projection, uh, intensity, excitement, at least occasionally from him on the sideline? I think it would help his players. Well, here's the thing. They only show the locker room celebrations. They never show him what it looks like after a loss. It's easy to look good in victory, Chad. Winning makes everything better, but it's how you respond in the midst of a loss. And that's why they've been so fluctuant throughout the season, up and down, up and nice down, word. vacillating. I don't even know if it's a real word. I just tried that and threw it out there. Uh, but, you know, they've always followed one common thread, though, and that's been good team, bad team, good team, bad team. Well, they beat another bad team. They're playing another pretty good team. Let's see how they respond to that. Judging on this year's history, they're going to come out flat, emotionless. Fangio, instead of fist pumping, like we're supposed to celebrate that, that he actually moved his arm, he's standing there like this, arms crossed, no emotion. You have Pat Shermer in the booth looking dazed. We never see Ed Donatel at all. It's like they keep him in a closet, and Tom McMahon is Tom McMahon. So how did the players respond to that? Then your quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater, a guy who doesn't own a television set. I mean, where is the juice on the Broncos team? Again, it looks good in victory, but it's how you respond through adversity that builds a team. And when you're up and down, consistently inconsistent, that's a problem. All right, guys, we're about out of time, so let's grab what remains in our chat from our superstars, like Cody, who says, but what would you offer Teddy? I assume you're still talking Teddy. No, Melvin. Okay, what would you offer Melvin? Uh, I would offer Melvin two years, $8 million, $4 million guaranteed. I would encounter with the finest red wine I can find, Chad, to get my hands on. I think he would enjoy that pretty much. Okay, being realistic, I think a QB, a QB, I'm so used to saying that, a running back needy team will pay Melvin Gordon probably upwards of $10 million. I would pay four and a half, five tops if he wants to come back as a backup. Dennis Woods up in Michigan. Appreciate you, my friend. Been with us a long time, and your support means a lot to us. He says, would you consider paying Melvin on an incentive-laden uh, pact? $5 million plus another $2 million, uh, if he gets 800-plus yards, another two 
plus two more million if 10 TDs. I would definitely do that if he would be willing to take it. But it depends on what the market out there is willing to bear. Because, Zach, I mean, we're talking about, you know, the law of, of capitalism, economics, supply, demand. If the Broncos offer is less than what another team, all it takes is one other team out there willing to offer more, then he's going to go take that one. So if the market ends up being a little bit cold, how is how old is he now? Let me let me let me double check. Twenty eight, I think. He's not quite thirty. He this is his last chance to earn. All right, and in that sense, in that uh, respect, I think you'll see him kind of be stubborn, even if he doesn't see a huge market out of the gates. I think you'll you'll see him kind of be stubborn and push for more money. Yeah, ninety three. So he's age twenty eight. He's almost twenty nine. So. If I'm the Broncos and I do make any kind of serious offer to him, it's that first year is guaranteed, and then from there we'll we'll see how it shakes out. Well, I don't like this scenario because you're literally incentivizing him to take carries and yards and production away from Javante Williams. Once again, you invested a second-round pick in the guy. He's looked amazing. He's already cracked the top 10 in the category that we showed. Let him have the backfield to himself. You don't need to pay a guy to take carries away from him. He's got a lot of um, a lot of his tread, guys, has worn off. He's not quite thirty, and that's the dreaded, you know, over the hill mark for any running back. But he's got fourteen hundred plus career touches just as a uh, rusher. That doesn't count his receptions. I mean, he's got fourteen hundred and thirty-three rushes, and then receive uh, receptions two hundred seventy-eight. So you're talking about here um, almost eighteen hundred touches, and he'll be thirty at some point on the term of that contract you're about to give him. So buyer beware, Doug, good to see you, buddy. He says, how much do you think it would take to lock down Kenny young, say for like three years, the dude is playing real good footy uh, football since we acquired him. He's, he's played well in, in flashes. You know, he wasn't very good last night before he, he uh, got banged up, but uh, I think you could re-sign Kenny young on the relative cheap. Um, I'm talking like, you know, give him offer him a two-year deal three four million bucks a year you could probably get him for that because i i think you could well let's look at the market let's look at the market um linebacker nfl linebacker let's see nfl let's look let's take a quick look uh from and i don't like using spot track because that that website dude it's more i think there's arguably more features but it you can brew a cup a of coffee before it ram. takes before yes. it loads a page. Um, so Darius Leonard is the highest paid off ball linebacker. Let's just take a quick look at this and then we'll 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 dip out of here. Uh, Darius Leonard is the highest paid off ball linebacker in the league, bringing in just shy of twenty million a year. All right, followed by Fred Warner, Bobby Wagner at eighteen, and he's thirty one. Golly, uh, C.J. Mosley, Zach Cunningham. Miles Jack, Deion Jones, Shaq Thompson, Jerome Baker's making that kind of money. Um, and then Levante David. Now, where would you fit uh, a guy like Kenny Young? He's still pretty young to, to keep that in mind. Based on what he's accomplished in the league, I'm telling you, I think I think it's somewhere somewhere around here. Somewhere between the high twos to the low fours, just because I mean, he's he's young. That's what he's got going for him. But his track record resume, Zach, there's not really much for him to hang his hat on in terms of bargaining power. I would offer him two years, $10 million bucks. I would guarantee six or seven of that. I think that's a good value for him. I think that's a good deal for the Broncos. He's not in the tier one of a Darius Leonard, for example. But in this defense, he plays really well. And people are kind of crapping on him and saying the the luster has worn off the bloom has come off the rose with Kenny Young well they also forget this is not even a full season in the system for him in with the team he came at midseason he's he got the playbook down pretty quickly he's playing in an injury ravaged linebacking core and doing things an inside linebacker hasn't done in Denver in quite a while i think he's a starting caliber player wouldn't break the bank for him but 2 years you know guarantee most of 10 million or 12 million bucks and i'd be good with that PFF projects for uh, Alexander Johnson somewhere between seven and eight million, for Josie Jewell like around five million, and I think for Kenny Young 
just because he doesn't quite, I mean, those guys are both hurt. So, you know, that goes against him in terms of earning power in the off season, but still they have more of a, of a resume track record to, to barter with at this stage than Kenny Young. And this is not me trying to crap on Kenny Young. I like him. And I think just by virtue of the energy and emotional lift he's brought to this team, kind of a little bit of a swagger. And I think that's also been a reason why you've seen Baron Browning shine the way he has since they turned to him in uh, that week nine uh, win over the Cowboys. He's taken that energy from the veteran, right? By three, four years or whatever. And it trickles downhill. I love intensity guys, Zach. It's more, it's as valuable as, you know, measurables and everything else. Especially because, buddy. Especially because the Broncos don't have any energy anywhere else. It's why they look so good against Dallas while you knew they were going to play a really good game because Kenny Young was getting everyone fired up. But for anyone criticizing him, look what he's playing with. You have a rookie next to him. You have a rookie flanking him at outside linebacker and Jonathan Cooper and Bradley Chubb when he's on the field and not injured. And when you, you don't have him there, you have Malik Reed. There's not one star in that linebacking core. And not only does he have to be a talent, he has to be a mentor for the younger players. It's a lot to put on a guy who came midseason. I think he's played really well. He brings a lot of energy. And like Chad said, that alone is worth a lot of, not a lot of money, but a fair amount of money. Two years, 10 million, 12 million bucks. I'm good with that. Last one, Scott, or is there anyone else still waiting patiently? Um, I, honestly, I think Kenny Young, this is the last one, guys, and then we got to go from Kayaka, but I think Kenny Young is a guy who probably is going to have to live with a one-year deal from somebody, whether it's the Broncos or somebody else next year, and then prove it again. Like, you know, getting dealt in the middle of the season in a contract year didn't help his his odds, but it could be the Broncos that give him that one-year offer to come back and try and kind of reprove it. Uh, Kayaka, though, last one, we got to go. Appreciate you, bro. Is Kyle Fuller intentionally sucking at football or has bro fallen off that much that fast? We need Michael Ojemudia to take his spot ASAP. Hopefully Bryce gets activated. So yeah. in case you missed it, Bryce was actually activated Saturday. They didn't play him, but uh, he's going to play this week. So good news on that, Kayaka, is Kyle Fuller's coming off the field. Bryce Callahan's your nickel again. And so you're going to have Darby – Callahan, Sertan as the, the top trio, and OJ's activated as well for what it's worth. So Broncos have some depth at corner, man. It's great to see, especially after the previous two years, man. That was brutal. And, you know, to his credit, I think Kyle Fuller has settled down a little bit after his early for season sure. meltdowns. I just got to give credit where it's due. But they're going to need all hands on deck because the Bengals have quite the receiving trio. Um, and I know one of them really well. He's let me down all season. And Tyler Boyd, they also have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, who's just a beast. I shudder to think what Jamar can do in one-on-one -on -one coverage with Ronald Darby. That could get scary. And you add in Joe Mixon as receiving threat as well. The Broncos will have their hands full. Uh, for the most part, with this Bengals offense, they're going to need all the cornerback power they can get. Hopefully, Yasang Bassi plays a part as well. Kayaka, don't worry about it. I don't blame you for missing that because it happened on a Saturday, quietly, as everyone was still shocked and grieving from the Demarius Thomas thing, and then neither one of them played on Sunday. So uh, you are forgiven, my dog. But, Zach, let's uh, say goodnight to everybody, and I'll pull up Facebook. Well, I mean, I'm just wondering, Joe, did Micah Parsons die? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, this was the Huddle Up Podcast, guys. Uh, thank you all for tuning in to the Aftermath episode of the Broncos blowout of the Detroit Lions. Uh, honoring DT was a great moment in that game, Chad. And hopefully going forward, the Broncos have that fight. But until we see you guys next time, which is Wednesday night, same time for more of the Huddle Up Pod, follow us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account for all your Broncos news, rumors, analysis, film breakdowns, transactions, and more at Myli Huddle. Follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. Follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. And if you haven't, go to HuddleUpPod.com and get yourself a comfortable hoodie. Get yourself a nice-looking hat like Chad's rocking. A lot of stuff at that store at HuddleUpPod.com. Also, Facebook.com slash Huddle. Hit that big blue button. Become a supporter right now. You get instant access to our three VIP shows Kelberman's Corner streaming at halftime every Sunday. Broncos Book Club with Chad and Trickle Zone with Eric Trickle. Five bucks a month. It's worth every penny. You have my promise on that. And Facebook.com slash Pod. Like that page and follow that page. If you haven't already, guys, also go to Apple Podcasts right after the pod and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win, hoodie, hat, etc. each and every single month. But if you can't do any of those things, 
do these three things. It takes a few seconds. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on this MHH channel. Helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. By the way, guys, when you go and leave a five-star review under the Huddle Up podcast, you are also reviewing the same feed that has Broncos for Breakfast, Building the Broncos, uh, Mile High Insiders, Dove Valley Deep Divers. So make sure you give them some love too, all right, in your review. You don't need to write a freaking novel, but you know, try and mention the guys. A lot of you have been doing that, and it's great to see because it's a little bit confusing. You might think that each show would have its own deal, but we're all under one RSS feed. So when you review, keep all the dudes in mind. Shout out here to the following super supporters. Here's how it finished on Facebook. Miguel at the top. Thank you, Miguel. Doug, Andrew, Travis Weber, Lando, don't call me, Calrissian, Lee, Travis Tarbox, Yvonne, Colby, Michael, Mike, don't confuse Michael and Mike, George Fox, David Va uh, Vasquez, and Charlie Young. Much love, guys. Hey, go check out my Twitter. You're going to find the link for the Duke Boynton GoFundMe, guys. We still need help with that. If you've already contributed, you have a tip of the cap from me. Serious, much love, much respect. Really appreciate that. But if you haven't, guys, even two, three bucks, anything you can do, those girls, he left behind three girls. We do this for any of our key members in our community. You know we do this for you. All right, but he left behind three girls. There's no other provider. There's no other support. There's nothing. So we're doing the best we can to give them what modest boost uh, we can um, for what's going to be a very difficult road ahead. And, if, again, if you've contributed, much love, respect, appreciate that. Go find the link for the GoFundMe on my Twitter. Yeah, it's kind of hard to follow that. I do echo the points that you made, Chad. And also, for anyone wondering, we did give the DT jersey away, and the winner was Diamond Rattler. Very well-deserved. One more shout-out to Diamond Rattler for winning that. Get in contact with us, and we'll make it happen on your preference. But that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. Back Wednesday night. Uh, tomorrow, Broncos for breakfast and building the Broncos in the evening, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Take care, guys. And as always, until Wednesday night, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.